You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always. Welcome to the podcast. This is part two of a two-part series where we talk about receptacle outlet requirements. We went over 210.52. We talked about the general provisions for wall spacing requirements. We talked about the 6-foot, 12-foot rule of thumb that people have heard before, and we kind of identified what that was. So if you don't know what that means, go back and listen to part one. Hopefully you do. That's usually the logic. You listen to part one and then part two. So go back and listen to that. We talked about four receptacles. We even talked about small appliance or receptacle outlets that are served by the small appliance brand circuits. Uh, all of those type of things we talked about. Now we're getting into 210.52C3, which is dealing with countertops and work surfaces. So this is where we talk about the countertops and kitchens, uh, pantries, um, uh, breakfast rooms and what have you. We'd also talk about the wall space requirements as well as island and peninsula countertop requirements. And we're even going to move into the bathrooms, outdoor receptacles, outdoor receptacles for one and two family, multifamily, all that kind of good stuff. Laundry requirements, uh, basement, garages, accessory buildings, garages, and hallways and foyers. Okay, so we're going to talk about all that. That's a lot to cover. Yes, I talk awful quick, but if I didn't do that, these things would be five hours long. So let's kind of get started. So if you got your code book, again, we're working out of the 2020 National Electrical Code. I'll let you know when there's a significant change uh, from the 2017 as we move forward. But I'm going to read you from 210.52C, and that is countertops and work surfaces. It says in kitchens, pantries, dining rooms, breakfast rooms, and similar areas of dwelling units, receptacle outlets for countertop and work surfaces that are 12 inches or wider shall be installed in accordance with 210.52C1 through C3 and shall not be considered as the receptacle outlets required by 210.52A. So let's break that down. Uh, this is kind of a little bit of a restructuring for, for code making panel 2 when it comes to 210 in a sense that they took some of the stuff that was in the, in the rules about the 12 inches or wider to be considered to have a receptacle and put it up into the actual body of the main part of subdivision C. So it really everything we're going to read about here in C1 through C3 uh, is on the premise that the countertop is at least 12 inches or wider. If it's less than 12 inches, then the receptacle is not required. Okay, so 12 inches or wider is kind of setting the stage. And it also reminds us that the spacing requirements under 210.52A for the wall space around the room, let's say a kitchen, you have the countertop wall space, which is the wall directly behind the counter. And then you have the wall space, it's you know, kind of the rest of the kitchen. Now that falls under 210.52A1 and A2 for the spacing requirements, okay? Six foot, 12 foot rule. The requirements for the countertop wall spacing and all that is where we come into another rule, and that's what we refer to that rule as the two-foot, four-foot rule. So if you're familiar with the 6 and 12, it's very much similar with the two-foot, four-foot, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, another change that took place, oh, I should remind you. It also reminds us that, let me give you a scenario. If I have a counter in a kitchen, and I have a wall receptacle on that counter that's serving that counter, but I have a door that's on that same wall, and that door, the threshold of the door, the side of the door, is within six feet of that countertop receptacle. Now, reason that last line says that, that the requirements for 21052C1 through C3 does not meet the requirements for 21052A. So if that space between the counter and the door was 24 inches or greater, then it's going to re require a wall receptacle right there. Now, yes, it could be still supplied from the small appliance brand circuit, as we talked about in part one. That's not a problem. But it still has to be a separate receptacle. I can't use the one on the counter to meet that spacing requirement. You with me? So it's just reminding you that in the charging statement of 210.52C at the very last part of that paragraph. That's all it's reminding us, okay? Now, one of the things that was added to the 2020 code was dealing with multi-outlet assemblies. 
becoming very popular to put a multi-outlet assembly in the cove part of the upper cabinets as long as it's not higher than 20 inches uh, and so above the surface and so that you have no receptacles along the backsplash. Uh, as long as they meet all the rules, it's within 20 inches uh, uh, of the surface, and we'll talk about that in a second when we get into C3. Uh, but as long as that's in place, then I don't have to have them on the back wall. Okay, and if that's the case, then we need to know a little bit about multi outlet assemblies and what's changed for the 2020 code. And here's what it says. For the purpose of this section, it says we're using multi outlet assemblies for each 12 inches of that multi outlet assembly that has two or more receptacles in it, whether it's individual or they're conti- one continuous length, it should, shall be considered as one receptacle outlet. So for every 12 inches, as long as we have two or more receptacles in that 12 inches, that 12 inches is going to be considered one receptacle. Okay, So it's kind of laying the land as far as how many receptacles are in that plug mold per foot is considered one receptacle, or is there five receptacles in that one foot? Is it five receptacles? No, it's one receptacle for each 12-inch section, okay? And as long as it's two or more outlets in that uh, multi-outlet assembly, then it's going to be considered, for counting purposes, one receptacle per 12 inches, okay? So that's just kind of a clarity for that. Now, next we get into the wall space requirement for the receptacles that are serving the countertop, okay? Because you have the difference. You have wall receptacles that are serving a countertop where the counter's against the wall. And then, of course, you have what's called islands and peninsular countertops. And so we're going to deal with the wall space one first. So that is 21052C1. It's entitled Wall Spaces. It says receptacle outlets shall be installed so that no point along the wall line is more than 24 inches measured horizontally from a receptacle outlet in that space. Let's kind of dissect that a little bit. What does it mean by in that space? Well, let's take a counter that is eight feet long. It's against the wall. Um, so if I'm, if there's nothing in, that is one space. So the requirement is at no point along that wall line that I can have a receptacle that's more than 24 inches. So I measure from the end of the countertop, I go out 24 inches, and I put a receptacle there. Then I can go up to four feet to the next one and put a receptacle. Now, why is that? Because remember the rule says that I can't be more than 24 inches horizontally from a receptacle outlet, and no matter what I put on that wall space, like an appliance, if I put it in the middle of four feet, then am I not two feet from the receptacle on the left, and I'm within two feet from the receptacle on the right? So that's where we get the old rule of thumb, two foot, four foot. Okay, now let's talk about in that space. So let's have that same countertop. And now I just plop a sink, just plop that sink right in the middle of that countertop. And theoretically, that breaks the space into two separate spaces. We have a space on the left of the sink and we have a space on the right of the sink. Literally have broken up that countertop. Okay, now... In that scenario is, again, as long as we're breaking that countertop up and the space uh, is, uh, you're dealing in the space that's behind the sink, is if that space back there is less than 12 inches, okay, then at this point, I've created two separate spaces. You with me? Okay, and so now that I have two separate spaces, I need to make sure that my receptacles in that space is not more than 24 inches from any receptacle. So I'm going to measure two feet from the edge of the sink, and I'm going to have a receptacle, and I'm going to measure two feet from the edge of the counter. And depending on the length of that counter, I might be able to just put one receptacle right in the middle, and it serves both purposes. So if I'm at the edge of the counter uh, to the far left edge, and I'm within two feet of the receptacle that's in the middle, then I'm good to go. If I measure from the sink, and I measure two feet to the left, because the sink is bracing, breaking that space... If I measure to the left, then guess what? If the receptacle in the middle meets that, then it's good to go. Okay, so again, it really depends on that that space in there. 
Now, does that mean from the left I have to go all the way out two feet? No. Sometimes people will come go out one foot from the end, and that's fine as long as it's anywhere within that two feet. And then they can go up to four feet to the next one. You just have to look at the spacing to make sure that from each end and space in between that anywhere that I were to put my finger, let's say I take my finger and I touch the wall, I have to be within two feet of a receptacle. So you space your receptacles accordingly to make sure that you're not more than two feet at any point on that wall line. And of course, that applies to the other side as well of the of the of the of the break in the countertop that that sink or cooktop might provide. You with me? So that's kind of two ways to, to to look at it. Now, the next thing we want to look at is the exception to the wall space. And the exception says, okay, well, receptacle outlets shall not be required directly behind a range countermounted cooking unit or sink in the installation described in figure 210.52C1. Okay, so if you look in the figure here, if the space behind the sink or the cooktop or the countermounted cooking unit, if the space behind there is less than 12 inches, then it's exempt from needing a receptacle. Okay, doesn't have to be in there. So you measure uh, imaginary lines from the edges of the cooktop or the edges of the sink, outside edges or whatever, and go straight back to the wall. And that is almost theoretically like putting a, a wall right there, and your measurement starts from there. And you go to the left and you go to the right. And that space is just like it's not even, it doesn't even exist. Now, does that mean that I can't put a receptacle back there? Absolutely, I can if I want. It's just not going to meet the spacing requirement. Okay, it's, it's exempt from having to go back there. But if I put one back there, I can't use that to meet my requirements for spacing that I'm going to deal with here uh, as I talk about the two-foot, four-foot rule. Okay? All right. Um, the next one is uh, C2, which is dealing with islands and peninsular countertops and working services. Now, receptacle outlets shall be installed in accordance with 210.52C2A and C2B. Okay. So now we need to know, this has been a change. Uh, it was a change in 2017 code uh, to be more clear. And then in 2020 code, they made an attempt to try to clarify it even more to mandate a receptacle to be on a peninsular, for example, within the out, within two feet of the edge. Okay, so they really are pushing to put that receptacle out on the peninsular because in the 2017 code, we changed to the measurement being the perpendicular wall. That was actually, in the, in the old days, you had what's called a connecting edge. And so you had the wall counter space, and then you had a peninsula that extended from the wall counter space. And where the two converged at right angles, that was your connecting edge. Well, in the 2017 code, they moved that line all the way back to the perpendicular wall. Okay, so whatever the, the, the peninsular countertop is extending out from, you measure from the wall that's perpendicular to the actual peninsula. Uh, and so, of course, that also encompasses some of the countertop as well anyway because the measurement's from the wall. But anyway, the interpretation was that if I had a wall space receptacle in that footprint width of the peninsula, that that would serve the peninsula. That meant that if that peninsula was 15 feet long, that I would, theoretically, I would not have a receptacle out on the peninsula because I had the receptacle on the wall and it was kind of serving double duty. And that was the interpretation that many people used. Well, in the 2020 code, they have changed the wording up in order to, one, have a certain size that's requiring a receptacle, and then they're going to give you guidance on where that first receptacle or that minimum required receptacle has to be located. And then the additional receptacles based on the size of the countertop can be put anywhere that the designer, the owner, or whatever they'd like it to be. And again, it could be that one that's on the wall that serves as the wall space one. That might serve its purpose as well. So let's kind of look at this a little bit. So 210.52C2A reads as follows. It says, at least one receptacle outlet shall be provided for the first nine square feet or fraction thereof, and what's a fraction thereof? If it's eight square feet, that is a fraction thereof of nine square feet. So again, it's going to mandate at least one on the countertop or work surface. Okay, it says a receptacle outlet shall be provided for every additional 
18 square feet or fraction thereof of the countertop or work surface. So let's break this down so everybody understands. It could be six square feet of an island. It could be six square feet of a peninsula. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's going to have a receptacle. It's going to have at least one because that's kind of mandated up to nine. Now, once you get over nine square feet, you're going to need an additional one all the way up to 18 square feet. So let's just use an example. Let's say I had the width and the length multiplied and I had 15 square feet total. Well, up to nine, I have at least one. So I've got the one. And the, the fraction thereof from the nine, over the nine all the way up to the 18, uh, whether it's 15 feet, 16 feet, 17, whatever, is going to require an additional one. Okay. Now, once you get over 18 square feet, it will require an additional one up to another 18 square feet. Okay. Above the 18 square feet. Okay. It's for every additional 18 square feet. Okay. Most cases, you're not going to deal with that. So I've got a Let's get back to what we had. We had a 15 square foot uh, peninsula or a 15 square foot island. And I have one receptacle to meet the up to nine square foot or a fraction thereof. So any value up to nine is going to require a receptacle. And then since ours was 15 square feet, it is a fraction of additional 18 square feet. So I'm going to have to have an additional receptacle. Now let's talk about placement of these receptacles. That's where we get into B. And B says this. It says at least one receptacle outlet shall be located within two feet of the outer end of a peninsular countertop or work surface. Additional required receptacles, the additional ones would be those values that are over nine square feet. Every additional 18 square feet, in other words, those are the additional ones. Uh, They're allowed to be located uh, are permitted to be located wherever the installer, designer, or building owner determines they want them to be, wherever they want them to be. So the first one has to be within two feet of the outer end of the peninsula. But the additional ones, in our case, the additional one that is over the nine square feet, can be anywhere we want it to be. Now, if that receptacle for the wall space is back on the counter, and it is right there in the same footprint of the peninsula, then that can serve as the additional one and I don't need any additional receptacle to install. That can be the additional one. All right, But you definitely have to have that first one within two feet of the outside end of the peninsula. Okay, So that is the change really to define that in the 2020 to make it real clear and that's when we went to a square footage value for that. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the, to the next thing here. Uh, it also reminds you that the location of the receptacle outlet shall be in accordance with 210.52C3, and that's what we're going to move into the now. And it reminds you that the peninsula countertop shall be measured from the connected perpendicular wall. So again, you're taking your measurement for the peninsula, and you're measuring it from the actual wall for the wall space, uh, for the countertop wall space. Okay, that's where your measurement. Now, what if I had a wall, a counter just jetting off of a, just a, a wall? We see that all the time in, in kitchens where it's just a counter that's sticking off the wall. Uh, it's not an island because it's not open on all sides. It's a peninsula. Uh, it's just not connected to a normal counter. It's just connected to the wall. Well, that is still a peninsula and the measurement comes from the wall. It is perpendicular. It's not parallel, running side by side. It's it's running opposite of the direction of the of the of the uh, peninsula. So that's called the perpendicular wall. So you measure it from there, okay? So that's how we get our our measurement uh, again. But it's all now determined on square footage uh, as well now. So, all right, so let's go into the receptacle outlet location. Receptacle outlets, and we are 210.52 C3. Receptacle outlet locations. Receptacle outlets shall be located in one or more of the following. Number one, on or above the countertop or work surface, on or above but not more than 20 inches above the countertop or work surface. So that's what we talked about using these. uh, Many people use these multi-outlet assemblies, and they'll put it up underneath the cove of the cabinet. As long as it's not higher than 20 inches, they're fine. Uh, Those that put it on the back wall, uh, usually they'll put them at uh, 12 inches or whatnot, but they're on the back wall. then they're perfectly fine. 
uh, as long as they don't extend up more than 20 inches. And no part of that receptacle extends beyond 20 inches. Okay, that's the first one. The next one says, well, we're talking receptacles again. Uh, and since we're dealing in C, that's what we're talking about, countertop and work, um, and work surface receptacles. Number two says, well, they can be located in a countertop or work surface. Receptacle outlets assemblies that are listed for use in a countertop or work surface shall be permitted to be installed in countertops and work surfaces. So just like we talked about in part one, uh, where we had the require the allowance to have receptacles that are they're mounted uh, in top in the cabinets. Same type of scenario here is that it can actually be installed in. Uh, actually, I didn't talk about it in, in part one. That actually is covered in this one only. Uh, they're the, they're kind of devices that are hardwired and they literally go in the work surface, so they pop up from the actual counter. Now, there's a difference between the ones that have a plug on the end of it, attachment plug, and you plug in a receptacle. That doesn't meet the requirement, okay? Um, that receptacle is below the countertop, and you're plugging these relocatable power taps into it. That's all they're listed as. If they're designed and listed for this application, they're going to be hardwired, and you would hardwire those into the 20-amp small appliance brand circuit, and they will pop up, uh, or there's even the kind that flip up off the counter. Um, I like the ones that you, you press them, and they, they come up like on a, uh, I guess they're like on a, a shock absorber. They come, zzz, they just pop right up. Um, so they're in the surface. As long as they're listed for that application or in a listed assembly, then go for it. The third one is talking about below the countertop or work surface, okay? Now, this is more directed towards, for example, islands or also peninsulas that have overhangs. And so here's what it says. You can do this below the countertop if it is not more than 12 inches. Sorry about that. i got to adjust my mic here. Uh, if it's below the countertop or work surface, um, it can be as long as it's not more than 12 inches below it. And the receptacles installed below the countertop or work surface shall not be located where the countertop or work surface extends more than six inches beyond its support base. So very typical for an island, for example, that has an overhang uh, in a kitchen, uh, that you have those receptacles, for example, and it extends more than six inches below the base, then those receptacles that are serving the countertop can't be located under that countertop. Okay. Um, now, with that in mind, if you remember back in part one, we talked about receptacle spacing requirements when you're dealing with a fixed room divider. And one of my examples was a, a standing bar type counter that might separate a kitchen from a dining room. So you might have an overhang there where people set up for breakfast at the Now, that freestanding space could be counted as wall space if it's directly opposing the dining room area, uh, and you might have a receptacle on that wall space that's being fed, again, from the small appliance brand circuit. That's fine, but that's not serving the countertop because, one, it's probably going to be lower than 12 inches, and, two, that overhang is probably going to be more than 6 inches. So if that's the case, the receptacle could be there to serve the wall space requirement in 210.52A1 and A2. It is not meeting the requirement to serve the countertop, okay? Keep that in mind. So you might have those two situations. Now, to avoid confusion, both of those can be on the small appliance brand circuit, okay? Not a problem. If my scenario comes true and it's a island in the kitchen and it's being determined as a divider between the kitchen and a dining room, okay? That type of scenario. Now, what if it was the kitchen in a family room? separation well the receptacle that would be for that actual freestanding bar that's considered a divider between rooms again ahj is going to determine that then that would not be the small appliance brand circuit that would be fed from the typically 15 or 20 amp if you want that's feeding the family room in that area okay or some other brand circuit it would not be on the small appliance brand circuit okay that's not what it's serving so just kind of those things to keep in mind. It's really much room dependent on where it's at, what it's facing uh, when you're making that interpretation. So hopefully that helps some people out with that. Uh, it also goes on to say now that receptacle outlets rendered not readily accessible by appliance fastened in place 
appliance garages, sinks, ranges covered in 21052C1, as we kind of talked about uh, a little while ago, where we were talking about the spacing along the wall, and you might have a sink or a counter, and you don't need a receptacle behind it if that space is, is less than 12 inches. Then what happens is the receptacles that are inside of those uh, appliance garages or any receptacles that you might put in those locations, they're not going to serve to meet the required outlets based on your spacing in 210.52C1, for example, the two and four foot rule. Okay, can you have them there? Absolutely. Can I have receptacles in an appliance garage on a counter? Uh, that's a kind of a, a accordion door type of thing. Absolutely. But the receptacles that are in there cannot serve to meet the wall spacing requirements. So if I was doing this on a counter, I would have to measure from the outside of that appliance garage to, and have to have a receptacle within two feet of it, okay, in order to meet the rules in 21052C1 because that appliance garage literally breaks the counter space, the counter wall space, okay? Um, and the reason this is important because if the cabinet people come in later and they put like an appliance garage uh, in the corner and I had spaced my receptacles per code four feet apart and they put this appliance garage in there and one of my receptacles ends up inside on the wall that's inside where the appliance garage is, then now my receptacles aren't spaced two foot, four foot, okay? I now have an issue because I have, uh, theoretically, if I it was between two receptacles and four foot was the max, and I put that garage in there, um, then that typically meant that the receptacle in there probably had one four foot to the left of it and four foot to the right of it. I'm just using numbers. That means that the receptacles that are not in the appliance garage are potentially eight feet apart. So the rule is that any point along that wall, I can't be more than 24 inches from a receptacle, okay? So you have to be careful, electricians, when the cabinet guys come in and put these appliance garages and all this kind of other stuff in. Uh, just keep those kind of things in mind. It's going to play an effect on your spacing. All right, let's move on. The next thing we want to talk about is bathrooms. So in bathrooms, we're talking about receptacle requirements now. We're not talking about the branch circuit requirements, which is in 210.11c. We're talking about the receptacle and the location requirements. It says at least one receptacle outlet shall be installed in bathrooms within three feet of the outside edge of the basin. The receptacle outlet shall be located on a wall or partition that is adjacent to the basin or basin countertop located on the countertop or installed on the side or face of the basin cabinet. So I've got some options here, but one thing's for sure. I have to have a receptacle within three feet of the outside edge of the basin. Now, if I have a basin and say I've got two vanities, two basins, uh, and I have one in the middle, it might be only need one if it's within three feet of both of the basins. Uh, but if I have two basins and I have one on the left, depending on how wide that, that those basins are and how they're mounted in the counter, uh, it might be more than three feet to the second basin. And that would breach this. So I have to be within three feet of each basin. So I would end up putting a receptacle in the other wall as long as it's within three feet. Or I could put one in the middle, but if there's a mirror there, that's kind of nasty. And I'm, as an electrician, I'm not getting into cutting any mirrors. And you'd be surprised how many boxes behind mirrors get covered up and you go back to, to do your trim out and you can't find the receptacle and you know where it is. It's behind the mirror. And I'm not cutting it. I don't have a problem cutting some some gypsum board if somebody covered because I can use the old ruler trick and put it on the wall where I think a receptacle would be and it usually will bow out the sheetrock and you can kind of get a good idea. I get that, but I ain't doing that to a mirror. I'm not cutting a mirror. Anyway, so let's go on to that. Now, can I have it on the front or the side of the basin itself if I have a cabinet with the basin in it? Absolutely. But in no case shall the receptacle be located more than 12 inches below the top of the basin or basin countertop. Now, the reason we say it like this is because I can have some freestanding basins, and I still can have it lower than 12 inches from the top of the basin. Uh, but a lot of times I have a cabinet there for storage space underneath it, and the basin is actually in or on the actual cabinet. And that's why we have to have both measurements that way, because you could have a freestanding uh, type of sink, uh, which I think they call a pedestal sink. Uh, and you still have to can't be below 12 inches below that. Okay, so that's our rules there. 
Um, so, and it also says a receptacle outlet assembly is listed for use in countertops shall be permitted to be installed in the countertop. So that was just like what it said we could do up in 31052C3, uh, item number uh, three, subdivision two, okay, or item two. That allowed me to have them inside of it, okay, as, as long as it's a listed assembly, okay. All right, let's just move on to outdoor outlets. So outdoor outlet, and this is uh, 210.52E, uh, it says outdoor outlets. It says outdoor receptacle outlets shall be installed in accordance with 210.52E1 through E3. So E1 deals with single family, or one family and two family dwellings. E2 deals with multifamily dwellings. And E3 deals with balconies, decks, and porches, and they pretty much apply to all type of, of the dwelling unit applications. Okay? All right. So let's look at the very first one. One family and two family dwellings. It says, for a one family dwelling and each unit of a two family dwelling that is at grade level, okay, at least one receptacle outlet readily accessible from grade and not more than six and a half feet above grade level shall be installed at the front and the back of the dwelling. Pretty cut forward, right? Straightforward, front and back. Uh, notice that even when it talks about two-family dwellings, that it's really going to be side-to-side with grade level. We're not talking duplexes that are over and under, okay? Uh, the one above is not at grade level, okay? All right. So next is going to look at item number two, and that is multifamily dwellings. So what are our outdoor receptacle requirements here? It says, for each dwelling unit of a multifamily dwelling, where the dwelling unit is located at grade level, so we have that requirement at grade level, and provided with individual exterior entrance or egress, it says at least one receptacle outlet readily accessible from grade and not more than six and a half feet above grade shall be installed. So what are the key things to remember here? First things first, they're dwelling units and they're located at grade level. If they're located at grade level and they have an entrance and egress to that individual dwelling unit, then they're going to require to have at least one receptacle, okay? And it can't be installed more than six and a half feet. Now, it doesn't say that it has to have one in the front or the back, okay? It would be usually, it's going to be at the entrance and egress for these dwelling units, okay? Now, item number three talks about balconies, decks, and porches. Now, there was a slight change to this in the 2020 code that there's an application where you have decks, for example, that are floating decks. They're not connected to the structure by a ledger board. They literally are floating. Uh, and so in the past, it would have been thought that it had to be connected to the building. And what about those ones that were actually floating, that were a couple inches away from the dwelling well, or, or, or from the building? So here's the change, and it's dealing with the dwelling unit. It says... Balconies, decks, and porches that are within four inches horizontal of the dwelling unit shall have at least one receptacle outlet accessible from the balcony, deck, or porch. The receptacle outlet shall not be located more than six and a half feet above the balcony, deck, or porch walking surface. Okay? Notice it doesn't say anything about grade level here. It talks about above the walking surface. So, this is also going to apply. So, in this case, if I have multiple uh, balconies and, it's, and you're going from the dwelling unit, now I also should remind you, if I have a multifamily dwelling building with multiple dwelling units and each one of those dwelling units has a balcony and that has a walking surface, notice it mentions nothing about grade, that if you get to it from the dwelling unit and it is within four inches horizontally, and I'm pretty sure that when you're dealing with balconies on a multifamily, they're going to be they're going to be directly connected to the unit, okay? So that's a no-brainer. The four-inch really comes into those grade-level decks uh, for, for houses, uh, dwelling units, um, one family, two family, for example, that's actually kind of separated. It's not connected by a ledger. Um, most of the decks I've ever dealt with are connected to the dwelling unit, but there are a certain level of uh, decks that are floating, and so this is what this is addressing. And so the rules have changed a little bit. It's not talking about a square footage area of the deck like it used to be, 20 square feet and all this kind of. It's all gone. 
uh, you're gonna it's required. You're gonna have a receptacle there. Okay. Now, if that deck or porch or balcony is more than four inches, then it is not considered connected to the dwelling unit. In that case, and so wouldn't re- this requirement wouldn't require that receptacle to be there. Okay. All right. The next one we're gonna look at is F, which is laundry area. It says. In dwelling units, at least one receptacle outlet shall be installed in areas designated for the installation of laundry equipment. Okay, now there's two exceptions to this rule. So we have to have that receptacle, uh, and 210.11c is going to be the branch circuit for the laundry. Uh, and there's some things I could go into that, that kind of can shed some light on certain opinions on this. But let's stick with the F right now. And there's two exceptions to this. The one exception is, you know what, I don't need that laundry receptacle if I'm dealing in a multifamily building and I'm dealing with a dwelling unit where there is actually a laundry facility that's on premise and it's allowed to be used by every occupant that that lives at the premise. Okay, Uh, apartment system or whatnot like that. So if that's the case, I'm not required to have that receptacle, period. Not a requirement. Okay, and what's the second one says? Well, second exception says a receptacle for laundry equipment shall not be required in other than one family dwellings where laundry facilities are not to be installed or permitted. So you could have some applications in two family and even multifamily. And I've lived in one that did not allow laundry inside of their units. They did not allow you to do laundry in it. And in that case, they didn't even run a laundry circuit because they didn't have a laundry area and there was no designation, okay? So that's an exception to the rule that you have to have at least one dealing with the laundry area. Now, what I find is interesting, and a lot of people I've talked about this before, it says, well, you're required to have a laundry circuit in uh, 210.11C2, I believe. Let me double check my my brain here. It is a Sunday morning, so I want to check it. C2, that's right, laundry circuit. It says, in addition to the number of, uh, and again, we're at 210.11C2, just kind of doing a little wrap-up here on the laundry. It says, in addition to the number of branch circuits required uh, by other parts of this section, it says at least one additional 20-amp branch circuit shall be provided to supply the laundry receptacle outlets required by 210.52F. Well, as you just saw, if I meet one of the exceptions then that laundry, that laundry receptacle or that laundry outlet is not required. So if that laundry outlet is not required, then the branch circuit shouldn't be required, right? And if the branch circuit's not required, then when I do my calculations in 220, do I need to add the 1500 VA for the laundry circuit? Hmm, Well, I'm going to give you my opinion, and I sometimes people want my opinion. Sometimes people do not want my opinion. But when I read 220.52b, and I'm doing a load calculation, it says the load of not less than 1,500 VA shall be included for each two-wire laundry brand circuit installed as covered by 210.11c2. Uh, but since in this case, I feel the laundry circuit is not required because the receptacle is not required, I would not have to add my 1500 VA in my total calculation. Some people agree with me. Some people disagree with me. 1500 VA is not going to make a difference in the real world when we're doing our calculation because, again, I get to apply the laundry circuit requirements also with the demand factors of 220.42. And so when doing so, it's really going to not, it's kind of becomes a moot point, but it's important to understand the code and the way it lays out. And if they intended to be differently than that, then they need to address it because the laundry circuit is required. Okay, The receptacle is required unless there's laundry facilities on site, then it's not required. If the outlet's not required, then you go to the branch circuit and it says that you have to have at least one uh, branch circuit, 20 amp, 120 volt, to supply the laundry outlet that's required by 210.52D. But if the laundry is not required at all because of the rules that we see in it, excuse me, not required by 210.52F, I don't know why I said D, sorry, F, then if it's not required to have the receptacle outlet, 
then it's not required to be the circuit there at all. So why should I count the circuit in my load calculation? Just, you know, so this means that you have to do a lot of thinking when you're doing all these calculations and, and whether or not it is. But most time, you're going to have a laundry circuit. And if you do have it and you do run it, then you have to account for it. Okay, so a lot of those things you have to you have to take into consideration. Okay, you're just kind of throwing stuff out there so you can understand. We all want to learn, and that's how you learn. And it's literally how the code is written. All right, let's move on to G, which is basements, garages, and accessory buildings. It says for one and two family dwellings and multifamily dwellings, it says at least one receptacle outlet shall be installed in the area specified in 210.52G1 through G3. Now, these receptacles shall be in addition to receptacles required for specific equipment. Let me give you an example. So I'm in a pump room that's an accessory building, and I have a circuit for the pump. Okay, that's a separate circuit. The receptacle would be different. Okay, it's in addition to any receptacles that might be there, let's say, to plug in, plug in a, a sump pump that's in that building or an accessory building or whatnot. It's different. Let me give you another example. I'm in a garage, and I have a garage door opener in the ceiling, okay? So the garage door opener is in the ceiling. That is there for that specific piece of equipment, okay? But I still have to have at least one receptacle in the garage to meet the requirements of 210.52G. You with me? And so then that takes us logically over into G1, which is, again, since we're talking garages, this is talking about garages. And here's what it says. In each attached garage, means it's attached to the structure, and in each detached garage with electric power, so if there's no power to the detached garage, then it's not a requirement to have the receptacle. It says at least one receptacle outlet shall be installed in each vehicle bay and not more than five and a half feet above the floor. That's important. So in my garage that I have power or an attached garage, if I have a three-car garage, then I need to have a receptacle not higher than five and a half feet, so that means that one in the ceiling is not going to work, and I have it in each bay. Now, I draw lines all the way back so it can be in the wall as long as it's accessible to each one of those vehicle bays. Now, it used to say car space, but a vehicle bay is more accurate because we have trucks and and all types of things, motorcycles, so they're vehicles. So that was changed in the last cycle, and it made sense, right? It also reminds you, again, that they can't be higher than five and a half feet. That doesn't mean I can't have the one in the ceiling, but it can't meet the requirement of 21052G1. Okay, you with me? All right. Uh, There is an exception here that talks about if I have an individual dwelling unit, but it's part of a multifamily dwelling complex, and I have a separate garage space that I do not have to have a receptacle for every vehicle bay. Okay, that's usually a communal space. Uh, that has a bunch of, of, of vehicle spaces there, but I would not be required under this exception to provide one for each individual. Now, this only applies if you have an individual dwelling unit and it's part of a multifamily dwelling complex assembly, okay? That's how that rules. Now, if I have a single-family dwelling and I have a detached garage and I have power there, then I'm going to have to have a receptacle, and if I have three vehicle bays, I'm going to have to have a receptacle per vehicle bay. You with me? Just kind of gives you an exception for when I might be an individual unit and I'm part of a complex of many other units. So it's a multi-family dwelling complex. I don't want to have to take power from each one of our units, dwelling units, to supply all of the potential bays that are inside this detached um, garage space. Okay, so this gives you some relief from having to do that. Okay. And it only applies to multifamily dwelling applications that have single individual units. All right, now let's get on to the next one with accessory buildings. Uh, so, we're, we're, again, we're looking for receptacles in garages, basements, and accessory buildings. So, number two says accessory buildings in each accessory building with electric power. Uh, and best I can think of this is, let's say you had a outhouse with a well pump in it. Okay, so... If there's power there and there's power to that building, then I have to have a receptacle, okay, as it has electric power to the building, okay? Pretty broad, but it's got electric power out there to power the pump. Doesn't mean I can tap the pump, ladies and gentlemen, okay? It just means that I have to have a receptacle out there if I take power to that actual accessory building. So it's something that you have to think about in your design, 
whether or not you're going to put a remote distribution panel out there to supply this or, or whether or not you maybe can get away with running a multi-wire brand circuit out there, but you need to think about it, okay, for the accessory buildings. Now, item number three, just G3, is basements. It says in each separate unfinished portion of a basement, it's going to require a receptacle. Now, unfinished portion. So if I had three portions of a basement, one portion was finished, one portion on the left of that is unfinished, and one portion on the right of that center space is unfinished, then I'm going to have to have a separate receptacle in each of those unfinished bases, so the two receptacles. Okay. Now, the finished space, I'm going to lay it out generally in requirements of 210.52a, just like I normally would. It's the unfinished spaces that we're dealing with here, uh, and it's going to require at least one receptacle. All right, the next one is H is dealing with hallways. It says, in dwelling units, hallways of 10 feet or more in length shall have at least one receptacle outlet. Now, this sometimes does confuse people as well because they think if it's a 20-foot hallway, that it requires two receptacles, and that's not true. It is 10 foot or more, so it could be a 100-foot long hallway. I still only require one receptacle in it when it gets to 10 feet or more. Okay, now, does common sense dictate that you're probably going to put more in there for your customer? Absolutely. That's up to you. That's design. That's not a code mandate. But as long as it's 10 feet or more. Now, there is some rules on how we do this measurement. And it says, as used in this subsection, the hallway length shall be considered the length along the center line of the hallway without passing through a doorway. So let me give you an example. If I've got an L-shaped hallway, many people used to think that you measure the straight each straight section separately. No, you measure the center line. Once it gets down to the end of the hallway and it turns and goes, let's say, to the right, then you just go measure down the center line. So if it went six feet down one way and then it turned and went four feet the other way, that's 10 feet. You just follow the center line and then turn and go down. So you use the center line as your guide. And if that's the case, only one receptacle would be required in that hallway. Now, when it goes through a doorway, then that's where it starts all over again. And once you get on the other side of that doorway, you restart your measurement again. If it's less than 10 feet, you don't need a receptacle. If it's 10 feet or more, then you have to have a receptacle. Okay, makes sense? All right, lastly, we're going to end up in, in I, which is foyer or foyer. Isn't that amazing? Okay, foyer. Okay, foyer, whatever you want to call it. I'm from Virginia, and if you're from uh, Massachusetts, it's a foyer. Uh, Anyway, so foyers that are not part of the hallway in accordance with 210.52H and that have an area that is greater than 60 square feet shall have a receptacle located in each wall space that is three foot or more in width. Um, doorways, door side windows uh, that extend to the floor, and similar openings shall not be considered wall space. Okay, so what does this mean? So if I've got a foyer or foyer and I enter it, and let's say I have three doorways. So it's a think of in your mind a round, you're going in the main entrance and you have a round foyer. And I've got one one doorway going to the left, one straight ahead as we come in the door, and one going to the right. If the spaces between those doorways are three foot or more, then I have to have a receptacle there. If the space between the door on the left and the main door that I came in is more than three feet or three feet or more, I've got to have a receptacle in that wall. If the space between the center door and the one on the right, if that wall space is three feet or more, then I have to have one on that wall as well. And you go around the room just like that. So, In the foyer, there's not a 6-foot, 12-foot rule. You literally go by the width of the wall space. Now, if the space between the two doors is 8 feet, doesn't matter. You only need one because it is 3 feet or more. Okay, So you put it wherever you want in that space and you're perfectly fine. Typically, you're going to put it near the middle because that's where people are now putting... floors, uh, desks, and, and all kinds of things against the wall for display and all that. So it just makes sense uh, to be able to apply it there. Okay. So anyway, guys and gals, that's it for part two. 
where we kind of wrapped up 210.52. I'm not going to go into the dot .60 for guest rooms, guest suites, dormitories. We'll cover that at a different time. I'm not going to go into receptacle requirements for heating and air conditioning, the one within 25 feet. Uh, I'm not going to get into all that. Um, I'm not going to get into the meeting rooms, which is a whole separate topic, and that's under 210.65. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of that in this episode uh, to try to keep it under an hour. I went a little longer than I wanted to be. Again, this is part two of a two-part series. Hopefully, you go back and listen to part one, which is going to cover the old 6- and 12-foot rule, uh, the general spacing requirements, and all that. That's going to cover. Now, I remind you uh, that we uh, come here every Saturday evening where we do a live show where you can call in. The number is 214-945-0653. You can call in and be a part of the show, or you can use Skype. Master the NEC is the is the ID to use to call in. Uh, we encourage you to visit those. Uh, if you're practicing for an exam, we encourage you to check out our Fast Tracks program. It's probably the best exam preparation and course to learn in-depth study of the National Electrical Code that's out there. It's all integrated online. Go look at our free demo on that. We thank you for joining us. If you want any stickers or you want some of our our swag, you know, some of our podcast t-shirts and Code Mafia shirts and all that kind of stuff, then go to electricianlive.com and click on the store button and you can see where to get that as well. All of that supports our show. We do appreciate all the support that you get. Um, we encourage you to join us each week. Uh, you can also listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, Google uh, po- uh, Podcasts. You can listen to on Deezer, uh, iHeartRadio. Geez, there's there's so many other uh, Stitcher. All of the, our podcasts are available. Please feel free to, when you go listen to one, make sure you share it somewhere. Share it in a forum. Click the little share button. Share it on a stream. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it on your Instagram account. Share, share, share. Get us out there. Remember, when you go to our YouTube channel, that is youtube.com forward slash master the NEC, make sure you subscribe and tell somebody else about it. Folks, hope you got something out of this little lesson. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe and God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 